Do you have a message that the world needs to hear? Do you want to make a living making a difference in the world? If so, this is the place for you. Welcome to the Speakers, Authors, and Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Speakers, Authors, and Coaches podcast. My guest today is the side hustle millionaire and the founder of 365 Driven. Tony, what's going on? What's going on, Jake? Thank you for inviting me on your show. And I can't, I can't wait to deliver some fire to your audience, man. You've got an incredible group. You're doing some amazing things. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I should say Tony Watley. I just said Tony uh, because Tony and I have become uh, pretty close friends over the last uh, almost two years now. And I've been so impressed with all the things that you've been doing, all the drive that you have, the consistency in putting it out, uh, which, which makes sense considering your, your brand is 365 driven. What, what does that mean to be 365 driven? Well, I think the main word in that thing is, is driven. There's a lot of people out there who look for motivation. Like I could have called it 365 motivated, but let's be honest. The difference between people who aspire to be average and the people who just really have achieved success is that they're driven every single day, regardless of motivation. We tend to do things even when we don't feel like it. I go to the gym six days a week. I'll tell you half the times I don't feel like it. I went to the gym this morning, didn't really feel like it, but I knew that I needed to get those results. And for people who are driven to do things successful, we just don't care about the motivation. The motivation is temporary, so we gotta have this internal drive and 365 is honestly the, you know, the calendar. So 365 driven, it was a, it's an easy mantra. I like people to be able to say, Hey, I am 365 driven. So I'm a very big community builder and I like to have some kind of a mantra or some kind of a brand name that people would wear that means something to them. If I would have just named my business, Tony Watley, I don't think they'd be wearing that on their shirts or their hats. It'd be kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's probably true. Um, where do you think that drive comes from? You know, I have a lot of people who say like, where, where do I, how do I find that drive or how do I get that? And, and sometimes I'm not really sure what the answer is. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I think I'm very fortunate to have very disciplinarian childhood as my parents. My dad was a U.S. Marine gunnery sergeant. So I basically lived in a Marine boot camp most of my life as a child. My mom, she's a Japanese immigrant and she valued education because her generation as a woman in Japan, they basically plucked the girls out of junior high to go work in the farms instead of going on to high school. The boys only got to go to high school at her age. And so she always valued, valued education. And when she moved here, she just, we, we, they made some sacrifices. My parents did not have money. My mom worked in the public school system as a cafeteria lady. My dad got out of the military and worked in the chemical plants as a pipe fitter and a welder. And they moved to a town we could barely afford to live in because they had a better public school system. So that was Friendswood, Texas. It's a suburb of Houston. So they sacrificed to make sure that my sister and I had a good education, but they, we had the discipline from them. Like, to give your listeners an idea, my mom, she was so adamant about me at going to school and never missing that I did not miss a single day of school from kindergarten through graduation, even if I was sick. She's like, you're wow. not, if you're not dying, you're getting on the bus. Go to school. Wow. Wow. So no wonder you're consistent today. Absolutely. So everything I've seen and success in my life is, is in a, I, I started to look back. You always look back on how did I get here? What did I do? How do I achieve this? It's, it's all about consistency and that, 
that's a main word for me. And I, it really sticks with me because a lot of times I'll bet you there's even someone that's watching this or listening to this, that's hearing that and going, yeah, 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 I got that. I got consistency. Yeah, I get that. But the fact is very few people have consistency. Very, very few people. If I were to put a number on it, I would say less than 5% of people have actual consistency because we take that as a fundamental word that we hear our entire lives and we go, yeah, we got that. But you never sit there and dissect. What does that actually mean? What does it mean to be consistent? Today, nowadays with speakers, authors, coaches, whether they're building personal brands online or whether you're typing out your next manuscript or planning your next speech or putting yourself out there to get more gigs, if you don't have the consistency, you're going to get passed severely by those that do have the consistency. Then to give you an example of consistency, social media, personal branding, if you're out there trying to market your book or your product, your speech or your coaching program, and you're not actively doing this every single day, you're not consistent. And that's going to sting. Some people are going to be listening to this and be like, wow, I only make three videos a week or I make one, one post every other day on social media. Well, you are not consistent. You are not defining consistency because the other extreme is guys like Gary V who's making like 10 videos a day on every single platform. And I get it. He's got a full production team. That is not realistic for people like Jake and I, but I can go create a single post every single day on the platforms that I'm active on. I can create videos. I can add value. I can respond to posts within the people in my group. I can invite people to go do different things. I can challenge people. These are the things you have to do every single day. You need to be the very first person that they think about when they need your services or your product or your advice. And if you're not doing that, you are not consistent. That's the hard truth. Mm. You know, this is a common, a, a common complaint that I hear from members of the speakers, authors, and coaches network is I, I love what I do. I love sharing the message. I love speaking. I love coaching. But, you know, some of them will say, I love that, but I, I hate being on social media. And what I think what they mean by that is they hate doing it all the time. They hate whatever that is. It's something that's become very heavy to them. It's something that's become um, just, just something that feels like a nuisance. What would you say to them? What would you say if someone told you that, Hey, I, I love what I do teaching, speaking, writing, but, but I don't, I don't like that. I don't like the day to day. I don't like the consistency on the social media. I think it has to be reframed. I think if your perception of social media is that it's a chore or it's something that is taking a lot of my wasting time on social media, then you're not utilizing it properly because social media, especially LinkedIn nowadays and Facebook, even Instagram, those things are the most powerful marketing tools that are available. And you know what? They're free. So let's think about this an analogy story. Let us say that you're struggling with your business or maybe you're not where you want to be in your business right, you know, right now. Let's say that there's a knock at your door and somebody presents you a magic wand and they said, hey, I'm going to give you this free magic wand. And if you just wave it over your business, all this money is going to start coming in. You're going to start to build your brand and people are going to recognize you. You're going to be very successful if you just use this magic wand. Well, you know what? We walk around every single day with that magic wand in our back pocket or our purse and it's called your cell phone. And if you're not using it properly, if you don't have the mindset to think that social media is important, then you are not going to do what it takes to get to the leg that you want. That's the honest truth. If you see other coaches, other speakers, other authors out there killing it on social media, and you're thinking, why do they have everything but I don't? It's because they're doing the things that you're unwilling to do. So when you reframe social media as your duty rather than your hobby, you're going to have a lot different results. Totally. One thing I think about and I've been sharing with them is 
this is the most amazing gift that we've been given. I mean, it, it is a gift to entrepreneurs. I would not be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for the internet, for social media. This is the most powerful and the cheapest tool to get in front of people literally in human history. And yet we're complaining about, ah, it's annoying or it's too much this or too much that. And, and I always invite people to reframe it. So just like you said, reframe this in their, in their minds and say, look, you love what you do, but this is the, this is the best, the easiest, the cheapest, and the most effective way to get to do more of what you love. And, and that's really what it comes down to, that there is no more powerful way and no cheaper way than just getting out your dang phone and talking. I mean, it's incredible what we're able to do. I did an interview with Jack Canfield a couple weeks ago. It aired on last week's episode. And he talked about how you, know, you guys are so lucky that you have this because I didn't have this when we started out. To get in front of these people, it cost a lot of money. It cost a lot of money to get in front of people and it's so important that we use it. And I think we just need to look at it as a gift rather than as something, like you said, as a chore. Yeah, it's, it's so true. Exactly what Jack said. The first company I built scaled to 300,000 users and that was pre-social. So we had to do a lot of cold calling and cold emailing to mm -hmm. get the peoples. We started to provide value in the magazines, automotive magazines to attract people to come back to the website. We had to go create events, racing events all around the country to build those small micro communities that would feed back into our major community online. So understand that we had a lot of more, a lot more foot traffic, a lot more expense, a lot of more, a lot more effort to go do the things to get the results that we had. Nowadays, I can fire up a live video and reach thousands of people. Are you kidding me? Like that's, but let's talk about the time factor of that, Jake, because a lot of people think like, you know what, I'll do that someday. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that. I'll, I'll start doing live videos. I'll start creating videos. I'll, 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 I'm committed to do that, but just not right now. They're waiting for this magical moment, or maybe their self-confidence isn't good enough, or maybe they're thinking that you know the right time will just become better. But the problem is, is they're going to miss the boat. Yeah. Because here's the thing, guys. If you're doing these live videos on Facebook, they're wanting you to do that because they want people to become addicted to using that content to see the results. Just like five years ago on business pages. You could create a business page that's basically your website and you can make a post and you get all these people that liked it and people would respond to it and you're like, oh, this is awesome. It's like a web page without a web page. And then now what is it like nowadays? It's like a ghost town unless yep. you open up your wallet and spend money to reach the people who have already agreed to pay you or not to pay you, but to follow you. Like you get thousands of followers. There's people out there with millions of followers on their business page that get less than 1%. I think it's like 0.3% organic reach unless they spend money. So do you think that something so powerful like live videos is going to be free forever? No, it's not going to be free forever. I can forecast the future. They want you to use it. They see these awesome results. Someday you're going to go push the live button on your phone. That's going to say, how many people would you like to reach? How much would you like to spend? So if you're not using it right now while it's free, while there's still a lot of organic reach, you're not doing your job. You're not doing your job of building your personal brand. That's the hard truth, guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important too to, to look at this and, and remember that, so like you're saying, things pass by, time passes, and things change. Oh, you look at the past, and sometimes I go, oh man, if I would have started this at that time, then look what would have happened by now. If I would have done this, and it's easy to feel like, oh shoot, I already missed the boat. 
But there's that beautiful, wonderful old saying, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The next best time to plant a tree is today. And some of these things, they're going to, they will pass. Yeah, that's true. Some of these things have already passed, but there's still so much opportunity. And the time to jump in is now. Just jump in and start doing it. And who cares if you're perfect? Who cares? You don't need to be perfect. Who cares if you're not perfect? It does not matter. And I'll tell you this, I, I don't even know how many of it is now. I've probably done more than 500 live videos. And I remember the first time I did a live video. And as funny as this sounds, it was after I had already done hundreds and hundreds of presentations in front of live people. Also, I had done many, many videos as well in front of a camera. But the idea of pushing live scared me to death. I was completely nervous. I was, I was afraid of it. I was, you know, I had been speaking for my full-time living for years at this point, And I was nervous to push that live button. And I don't think I was really all that great at it when it first started. And it just took time. The more, you know, the, the best way to get better at speaking is stage time. The best time to get better at doing live video is live video. We have to do these things. So just jump in. That's huge. I would say the exact same thing. That live button scared me for months, even though I knew the power of it. And I saw other people experimenting with it. I was like, oh man, that's, that's really putting yourself out there. That's being vulnerable. And you and I are like, we were basically standing in front of audiences and doing things like that. And we felt comfortable in that. But the live video is almost like speaking to an electronic device. That's the weird part. Speaking to an electronic device, you have to become familiar with the way that feels. It just, it's just like weird looking at a lens without somebody else yeah. holding the phone. If someone's actually holding the phone and filming you, to me, that's actually easier to speak to the phone because you're actually speaking to that person somewhat. You can imagine that. But holding the phone out or putting it on a tripod and just speaking to a lens and not seeing the reaction, because as a professional speaker like yourself, Jake, we gauge the crowd. Yep. We like to see the reaction. We listen for the laughter. We have punchlines. And you know what? Punchlines don't really work when you're speaking to a lens. You're like, you're like might have been a good joke, might have been bad. Don't know. I guess we'll watch the replays or see if anyone responds on the live feed, right? Yeah. So it's it's all these different things that you worry about. But it, and then again, it goes back to what you're talking about. There's We just have these self-limiting beliefs. We're overly critical of ourselves. And we focus too much on what other people might think or what they potentially might think rather than thinking about our message. And that was the hardest part for me to really come out because the things I've been doing, the, the 365 driven, the coaching, the podcast, all these things that people see now that I'm operating at this high level, it's less than two years. Like I started in June of 2017 mm -hmm. and it looks like I've been doing it a very long time because I am consistent. I will show up every single day. So if you were to put our efforts of people who've been out there five years, six, seven, eight years, maybe I have created that amount of value in a shorter amount of time because of consistency. So again, when you talked about like you see other people doing it, people are seeing like yourself or myself with these groups that are growing, we're launching these shows, growing this audience. They're like, oh man, these guys are doing great. I don't think I could do that. Well, that was me two years ago until I decided, you know what? Exactly. Like I'm planting this tree today, Jake. I'm just going to go and do it and I'm going to see this through. And I'll tell you that first six months is actually the hardest part. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and tell us why. Why would you say the first six months was the hardest part? The first six months of anything that you're doing, especially if that's self-improvement or creating a new business or maybe putting yourself out there and doing videos, the thing is that your audience, even your best friends, even your family members are skeptics. We're human, we're human beings. We're skeptics by nature. 
we're used to seeing people do this flash in the pan thing where they, I got this new MLM thing or I'm doing this new business and they go really hard for about a month yeah. and they're not getting the traction that they think they're entitled to. That's the key. Most people think they're entitled to some kind of reaction or they're entitled to an audience because they've got a friends list of a thousand people. And like, oh, these people are not going to support me. I'll tell you, that's absolutely not true from experience. Yeah. But the thing is, is people are watching what you do, but they don't engage. They don't like your stuff. They don't share it. They don't really respond. Maybe your Aunt Betty and maybe your very, very, very best friend or maybe your sister responds to each and every post. And you're like, oh, man, this kind of sucks. Like, I see Jake make a post and Tony make a post and hundreds of people respond. Like, you know, better looking than those guys. And I sound better. And like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I can't even like, you know, get the same attention. Like, this is, this is not working for me. And that's the things that we start to tell ourselves. I experienced that. I'm sure you experienced that as well, Jake. But the thing is, is people are watching. But the thing is, is we're counting on you to fail because we're skeptics because we've seen literally thousands, thousands of other people before you have done the exact same shit and they didn't get to the results because they quit too soon. Now, when you start to get into that four month, five month phrase, they're, they're like, they're starting to raise their eyebrow a little bit. Hmm. Maybe this person is consistent. I'm going to watch a little bit more before I start to show them some of my energy, my love. I'm just going to just ride this out a little bit. Six months, they're starting to throw you a like here and there. Hey, this guy's showing up every day. This lady, she's showing up every day. She's smiling. I guess she is consistent. They're going to start responding to your posts. A year in, if you can really start to do this a year in, that's when you really start to see results. Because now they just go, even the people who doubted you at first, even the people who were hoping you would fail, they were like, wow, you know, Jake, Tony, they're, they're really consistent. They're showing up every single day. They're serious about this. So I'm going to start to support them now because you've earned their trust, you've earned their support, and now they're willing to contribute their energy into your effort. And until you get to that six-month window, you're going to feel like you're talking to an empty room, an empty microphone. Nobody's going to be watching your videos. But that's the test. That is the test. If you can't make it through that test, you honestly, you don't deserve the results. And that hurts when you hear that but you do not deserve the results. You're not entitled to anything in this world, but you got to see it through. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, especially that idea of, look, it's going to take time. And if you just stick with it, great things are going to happen, but the results don't come right away. Mm -hmm. They take time. And so at the beginning, I hear that all the time. I've been doing this. I've been doing this. And it's like, how long have you been doing it? Three weeks. And I haven't got a paid client yet. And you're like, okay, look, my brother-in-law just finished medical school and he still has another, I don't know, three years of, of training before he's an actual medical doctor. And we're talking about an industry where the potential earning is absolutely the same as those professional, but much further because there's no ceiling. There's no ceiling in that. But when we're talking about something that has professional earning potential and then obviously the potential is much higher as well but when we're talking about something that has the potential to make that kind of money why why do we not have the same idea that look here's someone who's gone to school for over a decade for this at, before you get the return and now you're not willing to, to wait six months to get a return you're not will, willing to invest a couple thousand dollars into some training when you know they're sitting out there with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and I, I just look at things the same way when i came out of college my my first thought process was okay i got this friend who's going to 
this graduate program, this guy's getting a master's degree, this friend's going to law school, this friend's going to medical school. I'm not doing one of those things, but I don't have the audacity to think that I'm going to immediately go into that professional level of, of earning and that professional level of influence. I had the mindset of, okay, I'm, I'm going to graduate school. It's going to be my own graduate school because there's no formal education program that offers what I'm looking for. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to get the education from all the different people. I'm going to put the work in. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get by because I know that it's going to pay off in the long run. And, you know, fortunately it did. It absolutely did. And it's because I was willing to do that. And that was my mindset was oh, I'm in graduate school. That this is just how it's supposed to be. Yeah, I call this aggressively patient. You have to be very aggressive in your actions every day, but you have to be patient for the results. And, and you nailed it exactly, man. It's think about even in the corporate world, most people never even accrest a hundred thousand dollars in their salary. They'll work 40 years. Yeah. Sometimes with degrees, and they'll never make a hundred thousand dollars. Even with the people with the good degrees. Let's talk about engineers. Like I'm a mechanical engineer. It still takes most engineers coming out of college five to seven years nowadays to crest a hundred thousand. So you got four to five years of college, five to seven years of work experience, and finally they're going to get a six-figure yep. paycheck, right? Yep. If you want two hundred thousand dollars in oil and gas engineering, that's going to be twenty twenty-five years of working to get to that. Yeah. Doctors, doctors will be making it when they're late forties. They'll be making multiple six figures. And that's assuming they don't have a bunch of student loans to pay down. So they're really living like a, a $90,000 a year person because they got all these bills to pay. Understand that exactly what you said, Jake, you have to be able to put your real realistic expectations into the finances that you want. Now have some people done it a lot faster. Absolutely. But we can't base our experiences or our expectations on the outliers. There's always going to be superstars in any single thing. I mean, there's yep. people that go to the NBA drafted out of high school to play basketball. So there's outliers and then there's the norm. So if you're not willing to commit or invest, and I like that one you talked about is like investing in coaching or programs to learn things. Like if you're not willing to invest that same amount of thing or vote or go work for free from someone that can teach you things, yep. you can volunteer and it blows people's mind. Like that's a discussion we could actually have. Cause one of the, one of the people I know were like, I suggested, Hey, you don't have a lot of money. So why don't you go volunteer your skills and your services to help an influencer, someone that can teach you that has more experience than you just to like trade, like be their coach. They can be your mentor or coach and you can do these services that you do have skills in. And, and they're like, Oh, well, I don't want to work for free. I'm like, <laughs> like, I was like that person's time per hour, probably 500 to a thousand dollars per hour is what they would charge. You think that you're working for free if you're learning the knowledge or being in the proximity of those people that can elevate your career or your trajectory in your career. And, and I had to think about this, like most people are willing to go spend six figures to get a college degree. Yep. Sometimes they get out of college and they get this worthless degree that can't even give them a job. And, and back when I was managing restaurants, I would have to hire them as a waiter and they would work there for years with a degree. You're willing to go spend $100,000 to get a degree in four years of your time, but you're not willing to go invest 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 to go learn from somebody that can actually do something for you. and make you have a creative business that's going to generate that kind of money. So it blows my mind how this, there's this dichotomy. There's this like this yeah. connect of, of people wanting to spend money, but they don't work for free. Like, you know what, if, if Gary V called me up and he's like, Hey man, you're doing this thing. That's really well. Can you come work with me for a year? I'll be like, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. Yep. I'll go work for free. I'll go work for yep. Gary for free. As long as I get some camera time, 
proximity to what he's doing. I'm able to build my brand, showcase my talents. Yeah, I'll go stand on his stage. Are you kidding me? Like that's the kind of thing people don't really have that that vision. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so important for us to get in proximity of people who have been doing things. Um, I was talking to, I was talking to my, my uh, brother-in-law this past weekend. I was in Utah for our, the influencers mastermind intensive. Uh, after it was over, I stopped by and visited with my brother-in-law and he was saying, he was saying, you know, what is it over the last you know two years? Like, what is it that has had this huge trajectory for you? You know, I'd been making a living speaking for years before that, but over the last two years, it's just been this hockey stick that's gone up. And there was a couple things about it. There's a, a few different elements that have, have made that happen. But I think the biggest one has been my willingness to invest, to be around people who have done what I want to do. Yeah, that, that's been the biggest thing has been, you know, I'm gonna, I don't care how much it costs. I don't care what time it costs. I don't care where I need to fly to. I don't care. I'll, I'll fly anywhere to meet with that person. I'll, I'll go anywhere to go to this event or to meet these types of people just to be around them. And mm -hmm. people discredit the value of being around people who are doing the things that you want to do. Absolutely. And you know, it, it, you and I both run very successful Facebook groups that are very organic traffic driven. There's a lot of interaction, a lot of community. And here's the thing is I see a lot of people not taking advantage of that opportunity on their own. There's, there's definite ways to build your personal brand by being a contributor of value in each of our groups. Yep. And I see so many people missing that opportunity. So many people just sit on the sidelines and watch other people post and make videos. And I'm not telling you to go spam our groups. That's not what this is like. If you want to go build your personal brand, I invite you to mine too. It's 365 Driven Entrepreneurs. Jake and I, we share members all the time. This is the thing that you can be doing in both groups is just creating value. And I'm not talking about making one piece of content and copy pasting it in a bunch of groups because anyone that's in both groups would be like, ah, that person's just spamming. So go in and make genuine videos, like contribute to that group. If you're in a speakers, authors, coaches, book group, like talk about books, talk about book marketing, talk about speaking advice, do something like that relevant to the group. Go to mind, talk about entrepreneurship, business mindset, things that you've learned, things that you've failed at, you know, things like that. So create some personal branding so people can see your face, how they, how you sound, the message that you're carrying. And I'll tell you what, they're going to start following you and what, and they're going to do the Facebook creeping thing. Let's be honest. We all do that. We look at your profile. We go, what does this person do? Oh, they do this. They offer this service, this product. And they go, cool. I like this person. So next time I need that service or that product, I'm going to go hit them up. Or if someone asks for a referral, I'm going to go refer to that person. That is the beauty of social media, create value. Just do that and quit asking about stuff. Quit telling people to come visit your website and all this stuff. That's not how it works, just create value. It's so simple nowadays. Totally, the more we just show up, the more we show up and give real value, the more it comes back to us. It, it, it's really simple um, and it's not very complicated. What, why do you think that people overcomplicate things? They're watching too much of what other people are doing wrong. <laughs> I mean, that's a simple answer. There's, there's literally thousands of people, probably the people they follow are doing things wrong. And they're like, well, this is, this is the way everybody's doing it. So I guess I should do it too. It's no different than we have this old style of marketing. We have the, the billboard mentality. Most times we drive, we don't notice billboards anymore. I don't, unless there's some awesome, super awesome billboard that really grabs me. I, I don't ever remember any billboards that I see that I'm driving on the highways. And I think most listeners would agree with that because that's the old fashioned way of marketing, just 
putting crap out there and just making, you know, like you sticking in their face. Here's our product, our product, our product. And, and it's just, that's annoying and people don't like that. And that's not how social media works. So people think that they have this marketing idea. They grew up with it. They've seen decades of commercials, like products sticking in their face. So they think that, Hey, I've got this product or service. I need to go stick it in people's face. And that's just how the pros are doing it on TV. And that's how the magazines do it with their ads. And, that doesn't work on social media. Most people haven't figured that out, but the people who do, they're the ones creating video, creating impact, engaging their audience, being grateful for the interactions that they receive rather than just making a post and not responding to any post. That's like the worst thing most people do, I think, is they'll, they'll make a post and then they won't respond or, or, or take a second to like respond back to the people who engage. It's like, that's, that's not being grateful of your audience. You gotta take care of the people who do support you and quit trying so hard to get the new audience. Mm. Talk a little more about that. You just said a, a, a real gem right there. Stop trying so hard to get the new audience and start taking care of the, the audience you have or being grateful for the audience you have. So what advice do you have for people who want to take care of that audience they currently have or, or be grateful for that audience they currently have? Simple as this. It's just engage. If people are willing to respond or throw a like, like throw a like back. Like if they want to give a paragraph of sharing a story, tell them, hey, that's an awesome story. Thank you for sharing that. You got to acknowledge people. Things I learned in the restaurant industry. So I worked, I guess, about 10, 10 years in the restaurant industry from age 15 to 25 when I was working in the restaurants, going to college and things. But one of the main complaints, customer service, one of the main complaints that restaurants have is lack of acknowledgement within a certain time. So if someone seats you at a table, and, and I'll know you'll agree, let's say you go to a new restaurant and the hostess seats you at a table and you sit there for five minutes or more and like nobody's greeted you, no one's taking your drink order, you're, you're starting to get pissed. You're like, this is kind of crappy. So we knew that within two minutes, if you did not greet or acknowledge them, that change their entire perspective of the entire meal. Like they could have an amazing meal after that point of just feeling that and it's not going to be the same impact. So when you start to think about that first two minutes, so if you're gonna make a social media post, at least reserve 10 minutes behind that to engage people immediately. Those initial ones that engage, like in, engage them. I get You're gonna get responses over the course of the day and you can't respond to all of them. You gotta go focus on the things you do, but always reserve 10 to 15 minutes after you create a good post to engage the audience and just respect and then other people will start to witness that hey every time tony makes a post he actually just takes the time to respond to every response thanks people throw some hearts they're like okay that's going to compel them to engage next time they see your post like i like this guy he's always engaging i'm gonna i'm gonna jump in next time and have a conversation when he creates something i want to talk about so that's the thing is like you start to do this there's always observers there's those people that have just come across your feed there's come people who discover you every single day they see this, they witness this, they see how the people are treating you, you're giving people respect, they're giving you respect back. Those are the people we wanna follow, let's be honest, man. Yeah, yeah, totally, absolutely. People love that when you're connecting with them, when you're there. Let's talk about the logistics of that though, because I think that, that there are some people listening right now are like, yes, I wanna do that and I'm gonna do that more. Then there's some people listening and, and it's not so much a limiting belief it's it's they're trying to actually figure out the logistics of it when there's only so much time you know time is one of those things that's finite so how do you personally manage your time to be able to handle those things to be able to stay engaged to be able to get on those places i'd love to hear your thoughts on that i think lack of time is an excuse that's always it's a, it's a priority thing i think mm -hmm. Here, let's 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 unwind some of these 
funny things that you would never hear. Like these would be absurd statements. It's my priority to be obese. Mm. It's my priority to have weak relationships. It's my priority to remain broke. It's my priority to remain with lack of knowledge. Like these are all absurd. But in, and most people that would hear that, or if you saw that in writing, you'd be like, what is this stuff? But that is exactly what you're saying indirectly when you do not focus on those things that you should be doing because you've made them not your priority because a lot of people love to blame their spouse or children for the lack of things. But you know what? There's millions of successful people with spouses and children who have done things too. So you can't use those as surface level excuses. That's, that's the kind of stuff The no time thing is a big one for me, especially as a coach that that is the number one excuse most people bring up. And I'll tell you where that comes from. That's when you hang around with a bunch of people who aspire to be average. And that is what we call a boundary levels question that when I say, Hey Jake, can we can do this? And you're like, I don't have time. Well, if Jake, if you were just another average dude aspiring to be average, you'd be like, yeah, man, I, I get it. I understand. And that's where the conversation would end because you created a boundary level surface level excuse. Now, when you say that to someone like Jake or me in reality, we're like, Oh, you don't have time, huh? Let's dissect your day on an hour to hour basis and see where you are doing things to see where we can maximize or maybe remove some distractions in your life or maybe create some efficiencies here in your life to really focus on what our priorities are. Now, if you said that to someone that's aspiring to be average, they'd be like, oh, well, I don't have a schedule. And, uh, you know, they get all defensive. They, they take a different you know, energy level from that kind of a questioning. But that's the thing is most people listen to other people who are aspiring to be average. They're used to hearing this common excuse, I don't have time. And they adopt that same level of excuse because nobody questions you further. So don't hang around with people like me and Jake if you're going to use that excuse. It doesn't work. So back to the social media thing is I, need, I know that that's, important for the personal brand. It's important for the business that I'm building. It's part of my duty. If you were to, just like if you're working in a job right now, you have defined roles and responsibilities. When you apply for a job, you got a bullet list of all these things that they want you to do. And if you don't, you're not going to get paid or they're not going to give you a good review at the end of the year because you didn't do like three of these out of the 10. So if you start to understand that social media posting or making videos or writing your blog or doing a podcast or writing that book or booking more speaking events. These are your roles and responsibilities. You're the CEO of yourself. And if you do not execute those as your duty, then you're not doing your job. That's the hard truth. And the not doing your job part that results in the lack of pay that you're not getting as well. Yeah, that that's a really good way of looking at it. I like the, the, the point about the job duties and getting clear on that and saying, okay, what are my job duties? Mm -hmm. And maybe someone who is, is missing that time or doesn't have that time maybe they're doing things that shouldn't be a part of their job duties. And if they're at a point where they feel like, Hey, I'm, I'm making money and I'm busy because of this, this, and that, well, maybe it's time to hire someone else to take over some of those job duties so that you can, you can grow because there, there is some reality of there is only so much time. Money is not a finite thing. Time is time is finite. Money is not. And so then the question is, well, what can you outsource? What can you move to this person? What can you move there? And, you know, it's my experience that connecting with that audience is something that you, you really can't outsource. That's something that it, it needs to be you. It needs to be you connecting with them. And I, look, when it comes down to it, I've had Gary Vaynerchuk respond to me on comments that I've made. And I go, hey, <laughs> If he's still willing to do it, 
yeah. then uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'm not, I'm pretty sure that I'm not busier than him. <laughs> pretty safe bet. Pretty safe. Yeah, bet. It, it, pretty safe bet, but he still prioritizes it. Yeah. But let's talk about that. Cause it's real scary for people to hire other people. Yeah. And that was a, that was a struggle I had in my first company until I had 75 freelancers building websites and doing all things for me. I just farmed it all out and I got paid off of their time. So time, your personal time or our physical time on this earth. Yeah. We all get 24 hours a day, but we're able to scale immensely our productivity time and multiply that by using other people's time or farming things out. So a lot of times Here's another thing we talked about, the self-limiting belief of the no time. Well, another self-limiting belief that most people carry is they think that if you can do it yourself, don't pay somebody to do it. Yeah. So, so you got millionaires out there mowing their damn yard where they could be paying somebody eight bucks an hour to mow their yard, right? Yep. I haven't mowed a yard in 20 years. I, like I'll wave at my mower when you, it's like, I'll be in here doing this, getting paid the hourly rate yeah. equivalent of what I should be working on. And that's a, that's a good exercise we could talk about because a lot of times people flood their calendars with all these things that are below their pay grade. They should be firing themselves really to, to hire someone else like a VA or a part-time somebody or a freelancer to do these things. Things that people are doing that are, they don't even enjoy. They're paying, like pay somebody to do that. That way you can focus on the productivity of things that you enjoy. Maybe it's your social media. I would love to just be able to make videos all day and do public speaking events and podcasts like all day long and not do anything else. That would be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? I mean, come on, but there's still business on the back end. I'm running three different companies. So it's, you got to be able to farm those things out to get the people and you got to be able to trust the people that you're farming it out. I'm not saying like trust them. Like you got to trust other people to do the things better than you. Cause you can find that a lot of people are highly intelligent. They can actually do things better than you. If you just get off the micromanagement thing and give them a shot. So I see a lot of people hiring people, but they're still dictating like, do this, do this, do this, do this. Like, you know what, create a process for them to follow. And you might actually be surprised. They may actually come with something better than you just pointing all the finger. Like, so don't think that's going to be this overwhelm. Like I got to hire people and then I got to be the puppet master and telling them all what to do is like, no, hire people and then trust them to do their job. Give them those defined roles, roles and responsibilities. And that's how you measure them. If they can't do the roles and responsibilities, then you fire them. It's just like, a, like at your normal corporate job. So define the processes, define the systems, the roles and responsibilities, and then let them execute. If they don't, you just get rid of them. You hire other people, but you got to be, you got to, you got to hire, you know, hire slow and, and fire fast. It's so true. It's just, that's the way we get treated in a corporate world. And it's, it's not personal, it's business, but think about the things that you're wasting time with and you can, you can rank those. So one of the things I help my coaching clients with is I, I rank their, we go through their daily calendar, like hour by hour, what are the tasks that they do on a daily basis? Like their routine. And you start to identify things that are administrative You'll identify some of the tasks that we call technician level, something like a little bit skilled. You'll find some things that are manager level and you'll find things that are CEO and executive level. Well, as a business owner, you should only be doing manager stuff and CEO stuff. All the administrative and technician stuff should be farmed out because the hourly rate for those is substantially less. They could be more productive hiring that stuff out and you could focus on the things that you should be at your hourly rate. So if that's creative or doing the content or the speaking events or the one-on-one -on -one coaching, the high level masterminds. These are the things that we should be focused on and not doing administrative stuff. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that idea of the, you know, you mentioned the lawyer who's mowing their lawn and, and if you don't, 
if mowing your lawn isn't also your hobby, which I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, those ride on ones can be pretty cool. Uh, but but if if that's not if it's not something you love, mm -hmm. then it should be someone else doing it. And and I think that that idea of if you know how to do something, then don't pay someone to do it. I, I think that that idea comes from this is something you talk about a lot is is the employee mindset. Yep comes from the employee mindset. And if you are an employee, then you know you, you look at the things that you have. Money is the finite variable. You know, that's mm -hmm. the fixed variable where time is the thing that, yes, it's still fixed, but you have more of it. And yes. so people do that. Most of us grow up in an environment where, uh, where we grew up, the money was the fixed variable and the time was, was not. The time mm -hmm. was the one that, that could move. And so I, I think that's where it comes from. But we have to understand as entrepreneurs, as business owners, as people who uh, create our income, you know, it's not something I, I tell my friends this quite often because I work really hard to stay at my peak level of energy, my peak level of, of mental and emotional wellness. Um, and in doing that, I consider that a part of my work. And I consider it a part of my work because just like a, just like a professional athlete, who is paid by the result, an entrepreneur is paid by their results. It's not about showing up. I don't get paid just because I show up in this office. I have to actually produce. I have to actually show up and be at my peak potential. And so I think that anyone who is an entrepreneur needs to realize that you need to, you must put yourself as a priority. You must put your energy as a priority. You must put whatever it takes for you to be at that peak potential. And you can create more income. You can create more income to pay for those things. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you can spend your time a lot wiser than mowing your lawn because you can pay someone a very low amount relatively to mow that lawn and you can use that hour to do something that's actually going to move the needle. Or for you, it might be better to use that hour of mowing the lawn, going to the gym or doing something that, that's, gonna, that's going to help you to produce better the next day. I mean, there's, there's so many coaches and, and authors and speakers out there. If you, if you're to, a lot of people don't realize what their hourly value value is. It's a simple exercise. Look at the hours that you put into something and divide it by what you get paid. And then you'll find out what your equivalent hourly rate is. You could even do that as a salary job, you know, divide it by what, 2,200 hours a year. And they, that's how they calculate their salary. Like there's a lot of people walk around with a salary job thinking that they're better than an hourly person, but it's really based on a 40 hour work week. So you can divide it find out what your hourly rate is. And then you start to go realize that, you know what, I, why am I, why am I, I'm a coach and I make hundred to $500 an hour, whatever your rate is. Like, why am I doing something that I could pay some like $7 an hour or a VA, like five bucks an hour that can do the exact same thing. Like I should be focused mm -hmm. on things that build the scale, this company. Maybe I need three VAs. I can farm this stuff. And they can go through my inbox for me and tell me which ones are critical. And the other ones I can just trash or, or give simple responses back. So there's a lot of things that people need to figure out how to just, just get off their plate and that gets you the time, the excuse you can excite. I'm running three companies and I still have a lot of time. I don't feel like I'm operating hundred percent, but that's kind of by design. I don't, I don't believe in the hustle and grind and, you know, work 24 hours a day and like kill yourself. I've done that. I've did that in my twenties and it's not, it's not good. I personally like to make money while I sleep. I like to make money while I'm on vacation. I like to make money anytime like time is not anything, has nothing to do with money when i hear that time is money that's another self-limiting belief that it's the mantra of the middle class time is money money is time 
time, time, time. You know, it's like you got to go trade your hours for dollars. No, that's not the way it is nowadays. It's you can actually make money on online business and get paid while you're sitting in the commode surfing Instagram. Like there's so many ways to make money. It's like, like quit thinking that you got to show up somewhere and trade your hours for dollars. That's the, such a limiting belief. And when people discover that they're like, wow, you're right. You're like, yeah. You know, I was, I was sitting at a dinner probably about a year ago. We we're at a dinner and somebody was asking about online businesses and they said, you know, they did a little sneer cause they're employed. Like, can you really make money at that? I was like, Oh, let me see. Let me see if we made money during this dinner. And I opened up my PayPal and I showed him. I was like, I just made six thousand dollars while we're sitting here. <laughs> see the timestamps. You see the timestamps, and, and they're like, "No way, really?" I'm like, "Yeah." So yeah, you can make money without having to show up, and you can do these things with the online businesses. I like to coach. It's something that I have a lot of passion for. I could definitely go back full auto and just run businesses to make money passively, but. Then I'm bored, man. I like to do this stuff. So I enjoy making the videos. I enjoy helping people. I enjoy encouraging. I love these podcasts. I love having conversations with amazing people. That's that's the the quick thing about podcasts is most people don't realize the, the power of the networking and the communications and the things you can learn and the amount of people that you can come across by having your own podcast. I think yep. it's a missed opportunity if you don't have one, to be honest. Totally. I agree. Tell us about the other businesses you run. I actually don't know the other businesses that you run. I, I'd love to hear that. So Deviate Motoring is an online high-end wheels for custom wheels because I'm a car guy. I've always and built You've wheels. had that one for a while, right? For about 12 years. Okay. So I spent $0 on marketing and it brings in about 800000 a year. Wow. That's incredible. And that's revenue number, but it's still a pretty good margin because I'm distributor level on a lot of those brands. So I got basically virtual salespeople, if you think about it, because I've trained all these other performance shops and dealerships to be my sales guys, essentially. Mm -hmm. I'm the dealer for them. I'm a distributor for them. So they buy them through my company. They basically send in a fill out sheet of spec sheet. Here's the car. Here's the year make model. Here's the wheel we want. Here's the finish on those wheels. Like, cool. I just check those for a real quality check. And then I take their money and I send it to the manufacturer. The manufacturer drop ships the product to them in a few weeks. They have to build it. So it's a, it's a niche I get it. There's a lot of different products that I basically spend 15 minutes a day on that, that company, man. I just answer emails in the morning, answer a few quotes, and then I'm done with the, the business. So you can make six figures a day working 15 minutes a day. If you build the right business models, if you start to find your expertise or the niche and build things. And to me, if I'm going to sell things, it makes common sense to sell expensive things. My average ticket on that business is about $5,000 per sale. So I could think about that as like, it's, it takes the same amount of effort for me. I get this even from the restaurants. Like you go work from a cheap restaurant, like a Chili's and the average tickets, like $25, you're making 15 to 20% tips on that, that low value. And you still worked your ass off. You still ran the same amount of time. You still brought the food. You still took the order. Same amount of work. Yep. Same, same quality of service. Or you can go work at a really high end steakhouse but the average ticket's like $150 and you're making 15 to 20% on that instead for the same amount of work. So, if you're going to sell things, don't think about trinkets and cheap things that you've got to hand produce. Think about things that can be maybe digital products that scale without any cost of development Well, development costs, but not manufacturing costs. Or maybe you have something that like just purely like just online that's drop ship. I love drop ship businesses because it's hands off. I don't have to carry inventory. I'm actually a lot of times are cash positive. I'm getting paid in advance of products that I don't even own yet. I'm able to use that money to go buy the products and then ship them directly to them. So 
cash positive business model that I'm not having to spend money. That's amazing. And it's just like, there's so many ideas out there to do that. But most people don't really think about that. They don't think it's reality. Yeah. Uh, so what are the other, you said one, what are the other two? So, so the other one is the 365 driven. That's yeah. the coaching podcast, yeah. the things like that. And the other one, we're doing a startup for a carbon fiber composites for manufacturing for automotive wheels. We're being funded by the Canadian government, multiple six figures, already doing the research and development. We're on prototype number two, and we're hoping to get production in January of 2020. So we're building that company to flip. I want to build that company to you know, 40, $50 million and just sell it. So that's, that's what we're purpose. I got one partner in that. He's a professor in Vancouver. So these are the things that most people don't even know I'm doing. See what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm so yeah. active on social media, but most people think hey, he's just a business coach or an author. Like, yeah, I got other things that I'm doing too. So you, there goes that whole, like, don't have time thing. Right. I well, have and that, time. Yeah. And, and this, this brings us into where I wanted to talk about next was your book, the side hustle millionaire. And, you know, you created a business that you sold for, I know it was over a million dollars. I can't remember the exact amount uh, that you did on the side when you had a job. So tell us about the concept of the side hustle millionaire and also about the book, the side hustle millionaire. So the book itself is, it it was a basis of, uh, I would say that I did a, a, I asked the audience what they wanted. So when you're going to build a product or anything, you got to build something that people want. That's the, that's the number one critical thing, right? A lot of times people think they get this idea, but they don't evaluate it. I had a pretty active social media audience. I said, Hey guys, I'm going to write a book knowing what generally what I wanted to do. It's going to yeah. be about business. I love business and cars. So I'm going to write a book. What would you like to learn from me? And they go, man, you, you've done so many things with business. I want you to like teach us about business. It's like, okay, this is before I even was a coach. It's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to write a book about business said, if I was going to write a book about business, what questions would you like answered? And then it had probably 50 people respond. And you start to see the pattern of these same questions being asked over and over. And I said, okay. So as a marketer, as a, someone that builds products or things like that, okay, I've got my market analyses done. If I can answer all these questions in a book, I'll have a pretty damn good book because that's what they want. It's like, okay. A lot of them were a lot simpler answers than I actually thought. I, I was coming at the, I'm going to write this book about mid-tier businesses and share like how to make millions and scale and exit. Like I was really more in an advanced mindset, yeah. but my audience wanted to learn the simple things. And it really opened up my eyes. Like my awareness was like, wow, I assumed a lot of these people knew these things, but I guess they don't. So I need to just write what they want. So I wrote that book. And Side Hustle Millionaire is basically how to take your idea for your businesses, for busy professionals, people who don't have time, mm-hmm. and think about how to, how to evaluate those ideas to get you to the best opportunities of your financial or your time goals, or both. And then we start to understand how we set that up. So I want you to take your idea and get it into operation with that book, mm-hmm. Side Hustle Millionaire. And, and a lot of people, like, like you said, the title itself it grabs attention because you know what? I did some of market analyses on other side hustle books before I wrote it. It's like, okay, this is what people want. This is what I'm an expert at. Let me go read these other books. And there's like three or four out there that are doing pretty well. And I bought those and I was like, oh man, maybe I'll learn something. I got all excited because I like books. I started reading them and I was shaking my head when I was reading these books. I'm like, oh man, oh, come on, man. Like you're teaching people that like, oh man. Because Jake, I was disappointed with the side hustle community because they think too damn small. Mm. Side hustle to a lot of people thinks, go get a second job, go get a third job, go drive for Uber, go pick up shifts at the, at the restaurant, 
go be the greeter at your grocery store with your other job. So I'm thinking like, I did all that in my twenties. I get it. I had to do what I needed to do to make money, but that's not a business. That's not doing things. That's not thinking that's more, that's going back to trading your hours, your time for dollars. That's, that's employee mindset. And that's what these books are written about. They're talking about building arts and crafts that consume a lot of hours of your time after work, like build these trinkets and gizmos and whatever, and selling them on Shopify. And, I'm thinking, man, there's just a lot easier ways to make money. Like why are you yeah. keep trading your time and, and like pay someone else to build those trinkets for you. Come on, think a little bit more and, and, and just sell what they do. So you scale other people's time. And, and, and I was really thinking like, you know, when you read these books and like, you could make $300 extra per month. And I'm thinking I made more than that on one email. Like, what are you talking about? Why are you selling this? And I get it. People like want this realistic expectation, but you know what? It takes the same amount of energy same amount of effort to build something that can make $30,000 extra per month versus $300 extra month. Yeah. People just don't have that. They don't have that belief. They don't think it's possible, but why would I want to write a book to sell those small dreams? When if I can teach you the big thinking and the big dreams, maybe you do hit the small numbers. Maybe you do make less, but you're going to be educated and understand what's possible. And to me, that was more important. I gave it that title and it definitely has done really well. So nearly 5,000 copies in one year. Nice. Nice. Tell people how they can get their copy. It's on Amazon. So if you want to learn more about the book, you can go to the website at sidehustlebook.net to see the details, but you'll be finding a link on Amazon for there. Perfect. Sounds good. And how can people connect with you more? My website is 365driven.com. So 365driven.com. You'll find links to my Instagram, my LinkedIn, all my social medias there, but it's all in one thing. And I've got the podcast 365driven iTunes, Spotify, all the main channels. Come check it out. Hope you guys will. That's awesome. I would suggest everyone go and check it out. Everyone become a part of his group, listen to his podcast. He has a very professional production. That is something that I would suggest everyone goes and checks out. And uh, as we close up today, I'd just like to ask you, what's your last words of wisdom for the members of the Speakers, Authors, and Coaches Network? I would say my last words of wisdom for this episode would be to just do something without worrying about what other people think. I think too many people, even myself included, before I stepped into the spotlight of being a public speaker and things like that, I was so worried about what other people are going to say or what they're going to judge being vulnerable. You understand that there's going to be people that come out of this woodworks that you thought were your friends are going to be critics or naysayers. And then the beauty of that, you're also going to find people who you maybe you counted out that actually step in to support what you're doing. So there's a positive trade-off and people will start to show you who they truly are, but that might upset you at first. You might be a little bit emotional about that, but understand that you need to be grateful for when people who show you who they truly are for good and bad. If they're showing you who they are and they're not supporting you, cut those kind of people out of your life. Get rid of toxic relationships of any kind in your life if you have possible, whether that's family or friends, create distance and start to gain happiness. You control all the inputs that you go into your eyes or your ears. So who you listen to, who you watch, who you see on your social media feed, if there's things that are causing you negative energy, negative reactions to what they're posting, even if that's me, just unfollow me because I don't want you to feel that when you're watching or listening to me. So get rid of those negative sources of energy and you will have a much, much happier outlook on life. Love it. I think that's so important. And I've never heard someone say, even if it's me, delete Even me. if it's me, delete me. <laughs> if I, I make it. you mad, I don't need another hater. I got plenty of those. So you know what? Unfollow. <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Tony. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Speakers, Authors, and Coaches podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe, and most importantly, share it with somebody who needs this information. If you're not already a part of our Facebook community, come and join us in the Speakers, Authors, and Coaches network at facebook.com slash groups slash speaker, author, coach, or simply search the Speakers, Authors, and Coaches network. Thanks again for listening. Remember, what you do matters. You can turn your dreams into your reality. Together, we are changing the world one message at a time.